Welcome to the Black Appalachian Coalition's podcast entitled Black Remembering, where we will bring to you the heavy and the hope across the Ohio River Valley. We want to remember who we are, where we've come from. We want to speak to the oral history of what we've done, what we've achieved. We want to speak to the ills that we have experienced while also finding solutions to those problems, those issues. We want to deal with the narrative that has kept us deeply rooted in despair. Now we want to punch through that narrative and stand up and say, we are remembering our black past and we are rooted and we are here to stay. Welcome to Black Remembering. We hope that you find your place, your space, and your voice in this podcast. Black is a nonprofit organization founded by Bishop Marcia Dinkins. I am a cultural worker and narrative organizer for Black. My role is to gather the lived experiences of African-American people in, in Appalachia to amplify our narratives via podcasts and to dispel the erasure of Black people in this region. Black people are, have been, and will continue to be Appalachian. Black puts forth our voices and makes the lived experiences of real people visible. Our hope is that this visibility will aid in our efforts to create policy changes that benefit the Black Appalachian community. Our guest for this episode is Councilwoman Melinda Wolford. According to the Harrisburg Herald, Melinda Wolford is a native of Bergen who speaks as an internal auditor at Kentucky Public Pensions Authority. A longtime Girl Scout, Wolford has served the community at Little Zion Baptist Church, as well as helping organizing the Martin Luther King Jr. celebration and serving as a board member for the Mercer County Habitat for Humanity, among other service organizations. Welcome to the Black Podcast, Melinda, and thank you for your time and willingness to share with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So as your brief bio said, you're a native of Bergen. I'm not a Kentucky native. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina, so I can't speak to what it was like to grow up um, in Kentucky. So if you're comfortable, could you speak about your experience growing up in Bergen? Growing up in Bergen, I, I, I come from a single parent home. So I was raised by my mother, but I have a lot of extended family. So my grandmother, grandfather, and I had a lot of aunties and uncles that were local and just my church family. So we were all a big family. You couldn't do something and not have everybody find out about it, good or bad. <laughs> but I have uh, two sisters that I grew up with, one older and one younger. And um, also when you live in a rural area, um, your cousins, your first cousins are your family. So the summers we spent at my grandmother's, she was our, our babysitter. And um, we enjoyed our summers out in the country. I love it. You got the, the different experiences of environments. So what did y'all do for fun? Um, like when you were at your grandmother's house and when you were back home? And so in the city, um, 
it's where in Bergen, that's in the city limits. So for me, that was really the, the big city, but it's not really a city if you an outsider looking in. Um, so we had local friends, a couple of local families that we grew up with that were around the same age. And we just kind of invented games. Some of the games were um, good games. Some of them terrorized the neighborhood. We would uh, <laughs> go knock on the neighbor's doors and run. Um, but we really enjoyed our growing up. And it, it just seemed like the summers lasted forever. Um, I of course, we had school, but when we got out of school, we were latchkey kids, so we had the opportunity to um, run the streets until my mom got off work. Even then, we would stay out uh, until the streetlights came on. Um, but uh, growing up in the in the country with my grandparents, we kind of invented games. There were back then there were a lot of open areas. Now the areas really more populated with houses. But we had a lot of open fields, um, so we kind of reinvented that we were in the West. We would trek across the fields. Um, we would harvest tobacco. One of my granny's neighbors was a tobacco farmer, and we would go and harvest their tobacco for them, which now we would probably get locked up. Yeah, we would go harvest tobacco and corn. And uh, we created mud pies. We drunk out of the, the creeks. We went fishing. Uh, yeah, we had great. We had a great summers growing up, and just had a lot of fun. We are both Berea alumni. We actually got connected through um, the living legend, Professor Andrew Baskin. Um, so I didn't have the language for my identity as a Black Appalachian person until I got to Berea, until I met Professor Andrew Baskin, until I started interacting with the Appalachian Center. Um, so what was your experience as a student at Berea College and did that impact your identity at all? I think that yes, Berea College definitely impacted my identity. But for me, Berea was really an ex extension of the high school or just the school that I went to in general. Um, so the school that I graduated from was Bergen Independent High School. And for me growing up, that was a, a K through 12. So all of those uh, grades in one, one school building. So it was a very small school. I had, I think 32, I, th I had 32, 32 people in my graduating class and I was the only brown girl in my graduating class. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, that was, it was a small school. So I had the opportunity to go to Berea for science focus. And I think they only did that for one year. And now they, well, after science focus, they had another program upward bound. I think that's what they called it. But students went, I think we went when we were juniors the summer of our junior year, before our senior year, we had the opportunity to go, and it's, it was for Black minority students who achieved in science and math, in which I did do well in both, but it wasn't really something I was interested in. But when I went to Berea that summer, I knew from that experience and just being on campus that I wanted to go to Berea College. And that was actually the only, um, college that I applied for. And I was like, if I don't get to go there, I'm not going. And I remember one of the 
there was a counselor that came to Bergen and talked to me about Berea. And uh, that just reinforced that I knew that I wanted to go there. So when I applied, I got accepted. And it was a great thing because uh, I was very smart, but I was poor. My mom didn't have money. And she she told me up front, she said, if you go to college, she said, you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to find some way to pay for going for higher education. And uh, Berea was my ticket. So, of course, I was able to go there uh, for the four years, no tuition, and I did the work study. And just being there, seeing other people that look like me, that, that made me uh, very comfortable. And then, of course, I was used to being around people who didn't look like me from growing up and going to uh, Bergen. Uh, so it wasn't anything that was hard for me to fit in. And then uh, having the experience with the international students, that was just a bonus. Shifting gears a little bit, I would love to know about your experience with becoming a councilwoman. First of all, first of all, let me give you your flowers because you deserve them. Congratulations on being the first Black woman to be elected to city council in Bergen. I commend you. Kudos. You deserve all the good things that are coming your way. And thank you for making that history. It's been so exciting. Just uh, the preparation um, and the election, I was, I would go from being really excited about it, thinking I've got this in the bag, going to, I'm probably not going to get one vote. And uh, I ended up, the, the county, uh, the, the county clerk's office, they sent me a certificate in the mail. And I thought, well, what is this? And it was just something random. And it said that I had, I received the second highest votes. At the election. So that really made me feel great because I, I was really, I was like, I wonder, you know, and you can go and look up like the number of votes. Um, so there were six seats. Uh, I was one of the three new people. So that meant the three returning people I, of them, I was second highest of, overall. So that wow. made me feel good that I kind of beat out some of the the people that were previously on there and the person that got the top uh, votes, I, I was four away from them. I was, I had four less votes. I love that. What, what inspired you to run for city council? So I've been going to the city council meetings uh, and trying to just interact for a while. Um, during COVID, of course, the, um, they were able to do, um, they do a virtual. It wasn't that great. So I'd rather have gone in person, but we have had uh, just a lot of different issues going on in the city. And I, I'm like, I, I need to get involved. I need to make sure that I'm there and that I'm present. Well, what was happening was I was there, but the mayor never let you say anything. Wow. So that, so that kind of got, got to me. I was like, so I'm coming, taking my time out to come. They don't, they don't even ask me why I'm coming. Uh, do you, you know, do you have any issues? Um, and, uh, and one of the meetings, one of the ladies that goes to my church, she was like, Melinda, she said, you know, she said, you should run for city council. She's like, you can run. And I was like, yeah, I can run. And the next day she called me with some information and that kind of set things into motion for me. I was the first person I think that filed uh, to run. 
for city council in Bergen. And I did that by the deadline and it just kind of went on from there. I didn't really start campaigning until after the, the primary wasn't until May. And a lot of people were like, well, your name's not on the, on the ballot. And so that was, I had to do some education around um, the elections because people don't really understand if you don't, and you don't really have to be like involved in the election to understand. You just kind of got to educate yourself. So I, I was educating people. No, I'm not going to start campaigning until after the primary because that would get people confused. And, you know, this is going to be the general election. Gotcha. So it's it's been a, a lot of learning for me because I don't know a lot of um, I'm not really a political person. I didn't know all the things that you had to do. Um, and I was uh, glad that I had a couple of people that I could call on to help me out. Um, one of the people that I called on was the uh, mayor elect for uh, for Danville. Oh, yes. Mayor elect uh, Atkins. Yes. So he was very uh, helpful in answering some of my questions and directed me to the right places to get answers. Um, so that was great. So could you walk us through uh, what it takes to become a councilwoman, like what that process looked like um, in general terms, and how long do you occupy the seat? Well, first I went online and got the application. Then you have to get two signatures of people that are in your district to sign off. They're verifying that I really do live in this area and that they know me. And then there was a filing fee. I think it was $50 that I paid. And as far as I know, my term is for four years. Okay. So in those four years, uh, what changes do you plan on making in your position? Um, and what are your roles as a councilwoman? So far, I've had one training. It was kind of an orientation that I had a few weeks ago. And it was conducted by the Kentucky League of Cities. And they said that they are really the go-to people for the cities. So if we need training, if we have questions. And so this first orientation was, they told us really was to keep us off the front page. And you're kind of like, well, what? Why would they say that? And they say a lot of people, once they get to the council status or commissioner status, that they kind of take their power a little bit overboard. So just because I'm a councilwoman, doesn't mean that I have the ability to go in and say, okay, you no longer have a position or we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, for me, I'm one voice. I have one vote, but I do plan to work with the other um, council people just to make my area Bergen better, a better place to live and play. And just, I want people's voices heard. Because I don't yeah. want people to come to the meetings and not be able to say, you know, I have a concern about this. Not that we, we don't want people to come and just complain like every meeting, but just to have some kind of um, way for people to voice different things that are going on. And of course, if they're going to take time out to come to the meeting, ask them, uh, you know, have some kind of policy in place where they can, you know, say something at the beginning of the meeting or at the end of the meeting. Right. I love that full circle that you started out in an area where, you know, everyone's voices weren't 
heard or you weren't given space to speak as a community member and now you're creating that space for other community members. I love that. As a follow-up, what exactly does community mean to you and how would you like to continue to foster it? Community means being able to um, have a voice, uh, being respectful, um, and just being able to um, have your own platform. I mean, everybody's different, but we don't have to all be alike to get along and to work together. So as a follow-up, I would love to know two things. What do you love about your hometown? And what do you wish could be different, if anything at all? I love that Bergen is a small community. Um, For the majority growing up, I knew everybody. Um, When I went out and was actually talking to my neighbors when I got ready for the election, I found that there was a a lot of people that are different that, um, that I didn't know. We have a lot of implants now. So we still have a lot of people that grew up here like I did that continue to, to live here, even though we may commute to work. Um, but we have a lot of people that, um, I guess some people would say outsiders. I wouldn't really say outsiders. I would just say implants, people that have come here to retire or they come here before, before the school uh, district because they like going to, you know, the small school field, mm-hmm. the private school field. Um, so I love that we're um, small, close-knit, um, community. Uh, what a couple of things that I wish were different. Um, I, I do think we need a little bit of development. We've let a couple of things, you know, fall by the wayside. And a lot of that has to do with, um, how everything's been governed. The different mayors that we've had, or the city councils, maybe mm-hmm. not focus on, um, different things, just maybe like infrastructure, that type of thing. Um, I would like to see more of uh, like community interaction, togetherness. Uh, growing up in my church, we used to have a, um, I, I don't know, like some of the churches called it different things. We, we called it Friends and Family Day, where we would have another church come to our church, but it would be uh, the churches that look different than us, but it would be in our community. And we would rotate or we would have like a Thanksgiving joint service. So uh, the, in Bergen, the church that I go to is the only brown church. Brown it has brown people, uh, white people, and black people. Uh, but it's the only church in Bergen that looks like that. Mm-hmm. So growing up, we were we interacted with a, a lot of the other churches like that was in our area and did things. So I would like to get back to that because we haven't done that. Mercer County as a whole has started doing something kind of like that, but uh, it's different for, for Bergen. Because we're smaller. Uh, well, I will hope to see that, uh, that you get to, to see that come back uh, to the community and the church community. Um, so we are getting closer to our time. Before we end our conversation, is there anything that you'd like to say or speak on that we haven't touched on so far? For me, I would say family is everything. And I am where I am today because of my family. Um, 
just growing up, my family, they have, I, I've seen, um, we didn't have a lot growing up. And of course, uh, statistics said that I wouldn't, you know, go to college. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. But, uh, but my family, having uh, people that look like me, like in my church, we have a lot of, we focus a lot on education. So we have a lot of people that have like a higher education. Um, they go past high school and they've done things not, and it's not just things that are um, around athletics. So they are really uh, a learned people, I guess you would say that. Um, but having family, having my church family, um, if you've got people that support you around you, um, take advantage of that. Um, be open to different experiences. Um, one thing I guess I didn't mention is that I am a half marathoner. Yeah, if I hadn't opened myself up to new experiences, I don't think that I would ever have done that. Um, but I do. Uh, so back when I first started, because I've always been a person that would exercise a lot. And because I did so many different community uh, community events, or wanted to volunteer, or wanted to do this, wanted to do that, I said, uh, I would walk a lot. I said, I've got to get finished faster. So I started doing this couch to 5K. And um, that was back in 2010. So I haven't been running that long, but I did my first race back in 2010. And um, I had a lady that uh, encouraged me to, um, so, and I would do 5Ks, so 3.1 uh, races. And I had a lady that encouraged me to do half marathons, which is 13.1 miles. I don't know about that. And then I was like, well, I can do it. I can do it. And so I did a half marathon. I think I maybe did my first one. I, so I know my first uh, half marathon was at the Derby, the mini, the Derby mini. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it may be 2014. And I don't know how many races I've run since then, but I've, I've got a, a spreadsheet of all the races I've done. But from that, I've got uh, a personal goal to complete a half marathon in all of the states plus D.C. How many have you gotten down so far? I've got 42 states completed. Wow, I admire you. And it's been, that's been a journey. People are like, why do you do this? Are you getting paid to do it? No, I'm not getting paid. It's just a personal goal to do that. Um, and it's really fun when I do the races. Uh, a lot of the races I've done by myself. Uh, a lot of the races or some of the races I've done with friends. When I do do my states, I try to do something unique to the area. Usually it's to visit a national park. So when you go to the national parks, the um, the whole thing is is they have these passport books and you get a stamp at these locations. So you'll have a record that you actually visited these locations. So recently, I they've um, a lot of the parks will have some kind of connection to the Underground Railroad, and you have each park has rangers there. So now when I visit a park, I'm like, can you tell me about the people that look like me? Because you've got this net, you've got this underground railroad stamp, but you guys really don't have any information out about it. So what can mm -hmm. you tell me about the people that look like me? And you'd be surprised at the information. So it's not all dealing with, um, and some of it, you know, it's 
kind of, you know, negative, you know, around slavery, slavery or uh, slavery or, uh, you know, the slaves built this or did that. But a lot of it is just information that um, it's a learning experience, things that we didn't know about. How do you so, keep the the motivation and the stamina going? Because I know um, in the past when I've tried to run, I'm not a fan of running for anybody who's listening. Like I I can I can do it if I put my mind to it, but it's not my favorite form of exercise. I do admire the stamina that it takes. So how do you keep yourself going? Uh, well, one is if you sign up for a race, then you are definitely obligated to do it. You don't get your money back, um, especially if you go on and get your airfare. So I'm really kind of self, yeah, I'm kind of self-motivated, but certainly people that aren't, uh, it's always good to have support. Um, So friends or family that are going to do the the same thing. Uh, For me, it's just uh, running for me is like, because I want to be healthy. It helps me with my uh, mental health and physical health. And it's just something that um, that I think it's like normal for me, like getting up, taking a shower and brushing my teeth. Running falls in there. It's something that's going to happen. I love that. Thank you so much. So what I heard you um, say are. Don't be afraid to ask difficult questions, i.e., can you tell me about the people who look like me and to try new things and. That is reflected in your journey with uh, running and trying uh, the the Ironman and different big events like that, history making events like that. Yeah, well, running for city council. It's been every year. Yes, you are just making history everywhere you go, and I really admire that. I love that the picture I'm looking at of you right now is you surrounded by flowers because you really do deserve them. So thank you so much. I do appreciate you for coming on to the podcast and letting us know a bit about your story and who you are.